0: Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 246. Glad you can join us. We have a very special guest this week, we're pretty excited about. So let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell.
1: I am Soraya Zell and I am here today.
0: Um, yeah. Is it uh, still freezing cold in Chicago?
1: It's getting better. Like we are we are just below the freezing point. Whereas last time you checked in with me, we were about 50 to 70 degrees below that. <laughs> I do not miss the
0: Midwest at all. <laughs> leave, leave it to that being it's getting better. It's almost freezing. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take my, my Arizona weather. Thank you. All right, Jay, you are up. Hey, guys. Jason, and I'm here. Uh, I've also got my
2: co-pilot grinding some crucible next to me. Uh, and uh, little man is slaying with the last word right now. He, uh, he actually beat me in a duel, so... I'm starting to get – I know I'm getting old when I'm getting schooled by my 10-year-old, so that's that's what's going on. Uh, that and I've watched the, uh, the Marshmallow uh, – the Fortnite Marshmallow concert probably 50 times now in the last week. So thank you, Epic, for giving me uh, more stuff to talk about with a 10-year-old on Fortnite. Uh, hashtag Apex Legends forever. And uh, that's it. Good stuff. All right,
0: Libby.
3: Hello, I'm Livy. I'm one of the here, uh, one of the hosts here. Also, I enjoy myself being the the passenger seat for a dungeon crawl um, that'll hopefully
0: make a reappearance soon. Yep, we uh, we just finished recording Resident Evil Remake Two, which is fantastic, and and we thought it'd be funny to like you know go and, and replay Resident Evil Six because it was so bad. But I need to like ease myself into it, so we're gonna like do two four five and then six and we'll we'll get there so those will be going up soon this week but uh it's been good stuff and our special guest chase why don't you introduce yourself
3: yo i'm chase i'm a guy i do stuff (laughs) just kidding um i am the director of paradigm um which is a virtual reality and esports center located in davenport so uh i feel that
2: midwest chill as well last night was awful Dude, I'm in Detroit. I, I literally woke up and there was like a foot of snow that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> That's actually
3: interesting that you're in Detroit. I'm traveling to Detroit for the first time this uh, Thursday.
2: Oh, pretty legit. Okay. Yeah. We'll, hey, we'll have, hey, hey, hook up after this, after the show. We'll, uh, I'll see if I can swing by and, and link up with
3: it. 100%. Yeah, I'm going to a massive Super Smash Brothers tournament called Frostbite.
2: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm part, I am I'm part.
0: somewhat familiar with it. I had a guy talking to me about that last week. Nice. Very cool, guys, and I am Pokey Raven. I obviously helped do the show here, and I am the, the pilot of the Dungeon Crawl Let's Play series with Livy. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll maybe give a, a brief bench of that later. But uh, so. Chase, uh, we've had that's Nomex him. on. That's you. We've had Nomex on the show to speak about what he's doing with um, with DAR, and he's mentioned last time that he was working with a partnership with your company, Paradigm. And uh, unfortunately, you couldn't make it for today, but I we did bring you in because we kind of wanted to hear what's going on with that partnership. What do you guys do? And you know, what's it all about?
3: It's all in confidential. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) um, So the partnership itself is going to be a marriage of worlds, if you will. It's going to be wonderful. Um, Essentially, what we want to start doing is offer up esports coaching at Paradigm um, so that teams, uh, whether it be individuals, squads of two to four or five plus member teams, um, can come in and get Specialized coaching um, and direct action resources would be involved in the mentality part of that coaching. So they would teach um, the teams or individuals that would come in uh, teamwork-based training and communication-based training um, through a series of courses. And then on the other end of things, we would offer a we're, we are offering a another side to coaching that is all mechanical coaching. So how to get good in, in, at an individual game and uh, more specialized focused. So, so that's that's what we've been working on.
0: And, and is that a service you currently offer? And, and direct action is is coming on to help with that, or is this something new for you guys?
3: Uh, this is something new for us. So uh, that's a good question. So, Paradigm um, started back in August and since we started we have focused mainly on three legs that we stand on and that is education entertainment and corporate training in the education piece uh you know we offer stem tutoring we offer coding classes um and we offer ourselves as a location for like field trips things for school school related um and then in entertainment we have 15 virtual reality stalls a Six hundred and fifty square foot virtual reality roaming arena, four virtual reality racing chairs, um, a one hundred and seventy five ish person esports arena equipped with twelve computers, um, that can display feeds within the arena, and a professional broadcasting setup, uh, nine rental esports computers, and then a lounge uh, with free Wi Fi to chill and just hang out in. So when we started paradigm uh, that that's really the legs that we stood on. Right. Um, and since we've started, we've been looking at other opportunities to get ourselves involved in both the virtual reality and esports communities. We've even married the two um, types of genres and we've done VR leagues before we're actually, uh, today was the inaugural day for our space. Um, Sorry, Space Pirate Trainer VR League. So we're pretty excited, um, but we're moving into new spheres. And we think that coaching is a viable opportunity to pursue in the area. And uh, we think that it would be really good. We have a we've kind of developed our fan base, not fan base, our community at this point. So um, the com- it, it's a good opportunity for the community to get involved with Paradigm and get better at the games that they are coming in, practicing in every week.
2: Hey, the, one of the things that we, uh, we kind of drew us to want to bring you on uh, tonight was just the the general growth of esports over the probably the last three years in particular has been very noticeable. I mean, ES, I mean, we joke about it one night. Like we, you know, we were talking about how big esports is getting, and I, just for goose, I hit the Google machine, and you know, there's a page on ESPN. There's an esports page on ESPN. I that was sort of my indicator that that it had hit, quote unquote hit the big time. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious, like what drew you to uh, kind of setting up a business model around esports, and sort sort of what's your general take on the state of play uh, in terms of electronic sports, you know, or gaming sports? I mean, it's obviously pretty big. I mean, it's I mean, there's technically there's more people watching people play video games than playing video games true, on of true, the day. Um, so,
3: yeah, that's a insanely good question, actually. Um, so my experience with eSports specifically comes from the Smite launch tournament in 2012, I believe. And uh, that was in Atlanta, Georgia. I went down for the f- the first event ever that I had been to for eSports. Loved it. Came back a year later um, to the first world tournament. Um same location and it was insane Um, throughout that entire league just to like, so I'm in the finals watching the tournament, you know, it's been a three day event. Everyone's tired. It's the finals, but everyone's hype. Uh, It's a five game set and it's cognitive versus Dignitas and it is in the last game Uh, and in the very last game of this very last set of this insane tournament with a ton of turnout, $200,000 on the line. Game Hunter, who was on Dignitas, I believe, uh, or no, Cognitive. He got a pentakill on the entire Dignitas team, um, and the crowd was ear deafening. There were people just around me, like screaming, "Ah," like everyone was going nuts. And uh, it was in that moment of like all that hysteria going on around me that I realized I wanted to uh, promote the same experience and do like create the same experiences for other people to live. So um, I traveled to Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana. I started Cardinal E Sports at the university and that was probably four or five years ago. And then actually I graduated college back in this past May and uh, long story short, got involved with Paradigm right before I graduated, uh, moved out immediately after graduation and Paradigm has sort of been the project that I've been uh, working on since I got out here. So in terms of esports, uh, I've been, I've had my toes wet for a while on the industry, because uh, I'm always staying up to date, you know, talking with administrators or business people, um, to promote the industry and to uh, make Midwest esports a bigger thing than what it currently is. So in terms of industry growth, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna start seeing more places like Paradigm pop up within the next couple of years. You know, just little small town esports places or even internet cafes making a resurgence where people will be able to go in and train um, or go in and play, practice, and uh, watch their favorite games. Um, I know the past couple years there's been a major resurgence in esports bars specifically because you know. Um, it, it's literally translated directly from sports if you wanted to translate it. People want to go, they want to drink, they want to eat, and they want to watch their games.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think uh, what kind of strikes me is you, you kind of have two sort of parallel tracks going on. There's sort of the, the eSports-centric model that you have, which is, I think, uh, you know, my, my, my personal assessment. I think you guys are, are in an early stage. Uh, of what is going to be a, a pretty significant you know business going forward in the future, the other one is is kind of on a more simpler front. It's sort of re- a reinvention of the uh, of the video game arcade, but in this case, it's the VR arcade. And, and I think that you're going to start seeing a lot more of you know. Oh yeah, that that a lot, I mean, those two, those two things are not necessarily mutually exclusive. But like, I, I it would strike me that uh, like in a place like like Davenport. VR arcade is probably a good baseline for you, but your long, but your strategic piece is more of the uh, like the e the esports sort of business model. Is that
1: about uh, right?
3: You know what's crazy? It's the exact opposite. It's the it, it's. Almost the exact opposite. Um, in terms of when we opened, we thought that we were going to be really big in VR. Like everyone was going to going to want to come down and try VR and do it and have fun. And you know, it was like that for maybe the first week. And then since then, we've had a lot more turnout for esports than what we have for VR. It, it's kind of been nuts. Uh, we we probably fill our days on Saturdays with eSports tournaments. And I think a lot of that actually, it's funny, uh, I think a lot of that actually has to do with Fortnite. You know, there was a lot of kids gaming uh, from, or a lot of kids playing it from ages anywhere 8 to 30, even plus 40. Everyone played Fortnite at one point. And uh, being able to run tournaments for a game that allows cross-platforming for PlayStation, Xbox, anything on PC uh, was just kind of right place, right time type of deal. Um, so that that was where a lot of our model kind of thrived in the first couple of months of us starting out was uh, in our Fortnite tournaments. That's how we kind of established our community. But in terms of VR gaming, um, like we, we do have some insane experiences at Paradigm. The the main thing is, I think that people want more, and this is something we've kind of realized in this past couple of weeks, people want more of a membership deal with vr than what they do just coming in and playing it they want to feel like what they're doing is going to have some weight to it so you know holding a high score something along like the lines of that for a membership
2: that's kind of new. that's kind of a neat model I have, i've never thought about that you know i kind of grew up on the old school quarter arcades and stuff but i could see like uh yeah it, almost like, but, almost like a battle pass kind of deal where you come in and then there's uh you're, it's I, I hate to, this is going to be a horrible analogy by the way but it's like you know the new the new golf club or yeah. you know, new, new golf course kind of you know clubhouse kind of thing where there's like the clubhouse leaders and you're paying a membership and all that kind of good good jazz that's, yeah. sort, that's sort of what you're talking about
3: but the thing that we're trying to do the most right now the biggest thing that we've kind of focused on isn't so much selling our vr selling our esports it's been a lot of just establishing our community you know we have a discord community that has uh 550 members shout out to uh the paradigm discord um we 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 have a lot of our members that are really our core family um so our lounge is equipped with a nintendo switch it has over 150 different comic books it has a ton of different board games um, and in that space, we try to promote a community atmosphere. So, you know, you can come in any day of the week and you can play on the paradigm switch in our lounge. You can hang out with the staff. Uh, you can come in, do homework, read a comic book, play a board game. And, um, if you're having fun, I know <laughs> it's funny. Ron's came in a few times in, in this way that I'm about to explain, but we're BYOB So you can bring like a case of beer over if you're of age and hang out with your friends and game and and drink as much as you want. Uh, I know I know Dars done that a couple times. They they really enjoy that. So uh, you know
2: we're we're more or less promoting our community. I'm 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 just having this mental image of like a 50 year old crew cutted guy coming in with a a bag of like (laughs) Strohs. No, gaming uh, with some
1: growler (laughs)
3: like a big old big old thing of beer. Uh, no, I know, I'm just, it's, mentally, it's a great image. (laughs) It's wonderful, and you know, that's what I love about our facility. You find, like, I I love, okay, I need to rewind a second. My favorite thing since Opening Paradigm, you would think, has not been watching the kids do Fortnite dances. It has not been watching the insane moments in the tournaments. No, my favorite moments that I've seen since Opening Paradigm are watching all the old school gamers come in and their eyes just widen because they see exactly what you said, you know, kind of the arcade coming back. That's how they see it as. Um, So it's really awesome. I had a guy come in uh, the other day and he was like, hey, uh, if I came in with like eight buddies, how much would it cost to like rent out the arena? I was like, oh, you know, we can can work out prices, but uh, why? He goes, well, we're... uh, we want to do a Diablo marathon. And I was like, a Diablo marathon. And they're like, yeah, you know, uh, they want, we want to play through Diablo one and two, and then um, all all of us play three. I was like, that's awesome. That's so dope. That's so cool.
2: That that's pretty legit, actually. They, uh, I, I could I could come up with a lot of a lot of other ones like that, but that's uh, that would be actually pretty baller. Uh, he wants to do it for a three day event. It'd be a, it'd be crazy. It'd be so fun. That would be pretty good. Hey, okay, so I gotta ask a couple questions. So I know you guys run, you guys run some events and stuff like that. Can you kind of give us a quick rundown on the uh, on the games that you guys have ran uh, competitive events for, and then maybe what are some of the ones out there that you want to get into? Ooh, good question. I like that. Uh, so the competitive
3: events that we've done so far. So to start off, since we opened in August, we've hosted a tournament every single weekend. So Tournaments, our numbers are we've done 25 since August, and we will have done three leagues as well. So, um, we've done a lot of esports tournaments. The tournaments that we've done have been anywhere from oh my gosh, see, we've done Overwatch, we've done Counter Strike, we've done Fortnite. The regular ones that we do are really Fortnite, um, Overwatch and the fighting games community, which, uh, when we do those tournaments, we have three games. So Tekken seven, uh, super smash brothers ultimate. And then the other one was, um, sorry, dragon ball fighters. So those are the three FGC games. Um, we've done rocket league tournaments. Those have been extremely successful and really, really fun. Um, those have probably honestly been my favorite tournaments that I've ran as Rocket League tournaments. Uh, and I don't even play Rocket League. <laughs> um, we've done... We're doing an Apex tournament coming up. I'm pretty excited for that. Legit? We've done, yeah, yeah, legit. We're doing it on the 2nd of March. Uh, and let's see, what else have we done? We've done Dead by Daylight. We did that in um, October. That was really fun. Um, we've done League of Legends. Uh, we've actually hosted... We hosted the Acer Invitational on December 1st, which was a um, Big Ten Collegiate League of Legends tournament sponsored by Acer. And the winners, which was the University of Michigan, took home $5,000 in prizes. So that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, but in terms of games, we've done just about every esport you can think of. Um, and the reason why we've almost done every esport is because when we started Paradigm, we realized that... No matter how popular an eSport is, it does not directly translate to who is playing that eSport in your geographical area. So we needed to figure out what our community played. So, you know, we hosted a bunch of different tournaments to kind of narrow that down. And the tournaments that we do today for the Lighthouse League, which are the FGC, Overwatch, and Fortnite tournaments, um, are the ones that really came out on top. And then uh, wh- final thing that I was going to say is um, the- my favorite game. That or the not favorite game. The game that I want to host an esports tournament for. My number one thing that I want to host is you know the original eSport, StarCraft two, but we haven't been able to do StarCraft yet because there's not a whole lot of um, not a whole lot of people in the area that play it. that would also be cool, and I also think it'd be fun and cool to do Farming Simulator,
2: <laughs> just because it's a me. I have no idea how you do that, but it would be pretty interesting watch it. Watch, to watch well, it did you? Did you hear about Farming Simulator in the eSports scene? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh.
3: They just announced a $200,000 Farming Simulator eSports tournament. Swear to God.
2: What? <laughs>
3: yeah. So it's been a big meme in the eSports industry recently that Farming Simulator
2: is going to be the next
3: big eSport. <laughs>
2: that's, that's a bit crazy. I mean, I, I was thinking, uh, so, so like I, I go way back into the day with the old Quake and the Unreal. Uh, nice. That kind of, kind of stuff like that would be pretty interesting you you bring people in for you know like whatever the flavor of the month is apex but then you have like a like a bonus round where you throw in like a a real no shit like throwback game good old quake it's
3: 3 like, era
1: games or oh
2: yeah <laughs>
3: um i would love to do something like that uh the only problem is we've done that twice the last thing that we did for that it wasn't quite as far back as quake 3 and unreal tournament uh, I think the oldest game, I mean, League of Legends is pretty old, but I think that the game that we've tried but not had the most success for was actually Counter-Strike. And since we have since we did it last, I found a lot more teams that play Counter-Strike, so we're actually hosting a tournament next weekend for Counter-Strike. Um, my tournament organizer, Tony, will actually be running the entire tournament while I'm in um, Detroit, but... Yeah, we're we're really excited to do that again. But, you know, that's the problem with doing older esports is it's really hard pulling people in that play them. Because, uh, I mean, you may, you may say, oh, yeah, I used to play that game. But actually getting someone in to play it at a competitive level is kind of hard sometimes. Also, I linked the farming simulator uh, <laughs> link in the chat.
0: I, I got to see this.
3: Christian Amman, CEO of Giant Software, the creator of the game, said, quote unquote, agriculture, like eSports, is about passion, precision, and attention to detail. Optical or optimal conditions for an exciting competition. I love that.
0: (laughs) That's
2: just, I just, I DC'd and came back in. Were you like uh, spoofing Ron? I'm just curious. I, I saw I saw that. Uh but no,
3: I was reading the uh No. I was not spoofing Ron Lol? No, um I was uh talking about the farming simulator quote that's on their website for the uh championship.
2: Okay, yeah, like I so I came in halfway and I literally was like, wow, that sounds striking like Nomex teaching the class.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> no. So um my question is, is, is like, I, I've got a little bit of experience of, uh, with uh, going to makerspaces, and, and that's where I keep thinking, like, when I think of, like, a, a gaming thing where you, like, uh, there's a makerspace that open near me, they, you know, you pay a membership fee, and you get to access all this different machinery and equipment and resources that, obviously, most people just can't, you know, dump in their garage, and so... I totally see like, um, you know, everybody's got a gaming PC at home that's into this stuff. And I think I'll, i I assume that a lot of the people who come to, um, uh paradigm have their own gaming pcs at home so is it is it like do you see a lot is it particularly like i i totally see with the vr equipment moving all all the time and then like the esports setup where it's just like space um because i try and have like two people come over play games with me at, at home and it just like barely works because my house is full of crud
3: yeah uh, <laughs> that's a good question uh sorry did, did you
1: have anything to um, so I was, just, I was just curious, are you seeing a lot of people who, who uh, come for for that for the, the reason of just I don't have this stuff at home anymore? Do you have people who don't even have gaming PCs at home and just this so, is like their setup? So both. Uh, we see a lot of both. I would say if I were to pick one or the other,
3: we see a lot of people that have gaming setups at home, but they want to game with their friends in the same space, but their Internet can't take it because you know their sister's on Netflix and their mom is on Facebook and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, what we have seen a lot of is families coming in and playing. Um, I've seen multiple kids come in with their dad and play Fortnite. Um, there's a guy named Sandy, shout out Sandy, that goes to St. Ambrose and teaches at St. Ambrose. And he comes in with his son and plays Overwatch with them on the computers. So, it's actually more family oriented than, than you'd think. It's, it's pretty great. Um, but our bandwidth is the fastest bandwidth that we can access possibly in the quad cities. We actually go through a private company to get our internet. Um, so it's really nice that we're able to offer up that kind of, uh, you know, high tech plus uh, the connective connection uh, connection.
1: yeah yeah, I, I can I can totally see that. And then I, I'm kind of curious with with um the the other thing i th- I think about is um so, with has have you seen anything from some of the major game studios in supporting um you know internet cafe offerings in the u.s because like i like one of the things i remember is i know that like in in countries like south korea where where internet cafe gaming is like a big thing like you can even get like i think internet cafes can like straight up license games from like blizzard and then people who come in don't have to buy the games they you know the the licensing is is at the cafe have you seen any of that start to come to the u.s yet
3: no i wish that uh i i wish that the u.s culture was more like pc bangs which was exactly what you're talking about the land centers in south korea but uh you know licensing is a tricky part and it's honestly one of the trickiest parts of the business model um unfortunately we haven't and only to my knowledge we haven't seen very many companies come in support of you know the internet cafes and the people who want to make it make it accessible for everyone so actually the way that we have to run paradigm is you have to already have owned the game or an account to be able to play on our machines due to that you know licensing laws but since fortnite uh, part of the reason why we grew our community so quickly is because Fortnite was big, as I said earlier. And Fortnite is free, and you can play it on anything. So um, You just
1: sign in and play.
3: You literally just sign in and play. So running those tournaments was actually uh, probably one of the best things that could have happened to us when, when we were opening, um, looking back now and looking at it. But in terms of support, no. And I can even directly say... Um, I've dealt with a lot of licensing stuff for the VR games that we do and how we run that process. So it's really annoying because a lot of the uh, really good roaming content for VR, you know, stuff that you can do in a large room and walk around and actually have movement movement with um, that is multiplayer in a land setting. Um, is licensed to locations and what they called location-based entertainment where um a company uh hires you know a vr developer to make them a game and then they license that game directly to one location um so for instance have you guys seen or heard of anything about mario kart vr yep yeah so so mario kart vr is hosted uh, is only available in three locations um washington dc um, Tokyo, and then London. So you can't get Mario Kart VR anywhere else except for those three locations and vibe stores, which is insane because, you know, if we had Mario Kart VR or if, you know, any real um, internet cafe-style place had Mario Kart VR, people would come and play the crap out of it. Everyone loves Mario Kart, but it's not the case.
1: And I know uh, I know, Disney has a, f- a few different VR experiences that are... You know, you know disney, disney world yep. exclusive rides where they literally yep. they're just loading up the game you know the game on some vr headsets but it is a you know it's a disney world ride effectively
3: it's a pain and it really doesn't promote the industry as a whole so yeah i'm kind of indifferent about it i don't like it <laughs>
1: All right. Well, good to know. Thank you. I do. I do hope that that like if if this model be- does become more popular, that we we do start to see some of that um, PC bang style licensing being available here, because yeah. the model already exists. They're just not not offering it.
3: Yeah. No. That I would. I would love to see that as well. Um, I I just want to. I'm a big advocate of making sure that the industry um, itself succeeds. And I'm a huge advocate of like VR and esports as a whole and and making it my number one goal is to make sure that, you know, not just paradigm, but the culture changes, everyone gets involved and everyone uh, begins to see the, the love and passion behind virtual reality and esports.
2: Now, Hey, so one of the questions I've been kind of wanting to ask, and I think it's, um, it, it sounds like you guys are having some pretty good initial success with, uh, with your location in Davenport. Uh, And I know you travel around some different events like you like, do you guys see a path to some uh, eventually some some kind of paradigm franchises out in some other regional areas?
3: That was the plan from the beginning. Um, Paradigm in Davenport is the test facility and it's always been the test facility and it always will be the test facility, but it will also be the first facility. So we're looking at Chicago. We're looking at St. Louis. We're looking at Minneapolis. We're looking at the Midwest. We want to take the Midwest scene that's not developed and foster the communities and the culture that has been here, but not really had an overarching body.
1: If If you open up in Chicago, I'll camp outside your door on day one. Bet.
3: I'll I'll hold you to it.
1: Uh, all right. Um. I'll I'll save a vacation day. <laughs> but yeah. No. Yeah. I. That That I totally get, because there's so many things as being a, a you know tech nerd that you find like you're you're interested in all these things and everything's in in San Francisco or New York City. And then, you know, I mean I,
3: when I applied for jobs not even less than a year ago in May, I could not find a Midwesty sports job to save my life. I had to apply on the coast. And the really, really sad thing is the coastal people don't care about the midwestern people in terms of um in terms of like the esports industry like you have to know someone to get in it's almost kind of like hollywood in the you know 60s to 80s it, it's like this big this big thing that everyone has to go and do but really east esports is, is it <laughs> we call the midwest the wild west the wild wild west because it's so unpredictable right now in esports and there's so much uh, potential, oh my God, there's so much of potential in the uh, Midwestern industry that it it you are going to see some crazy things happen in the next couple of years because I mean, think about it, on the coast where there's high population areas and the, the culture's kind of already developed, there there's already things to do for eSports. Most schools have clubs or organizations, colleges definitely do and you see rec leagues and fun stuff happening all around you. But in the Midwest, that's not a thing, and there's really nothing to do here. You, I came from a town of 2,000 people, and as one of my friends likes to say in the Midwest, there's really two things to do, and that's drugs and nothing. And having something that we can offer kids and anyone who does not like sports or isn't really like super fine-tuned into school, uh, an outlet to um, let them be creative and learn teamwork and learn communication um, it's invaluable, and I think that once we foster that community and we actually develop a huge culture here, it's going to impact the entire United States.
2: You know, I think I think that's kind of an interesting uh, interesting take that you got. Like most people would, you know, they kind of generally assume that the coast tend to be more uh, kind of forward looking on, on this kind of stuff. But I think you got a huge market in the middle of the country that uh, is pretty. Pretty open. I mean, if you just think about it, like, I, I did a quick search um, uh, this weekend, kind of in preparation for the show, in terms of, hey, are, is there a similar product in the Detroit Metro area, which is you know not a small city by any stretch, uh, as as opposed to what you actually provide in uh, in Davenport, and there's really, and there's really not, there's not a there's not a huge, there's at least not one that's readily readily locatable uh, that provides a similar service that you guys do i mean you can find like the david Busters of the world but that's not really what you're going for you've got a much more specific kind of experience in mind and frankly after having gone to and busters you know not too long ago it's it is not worth it it is it's is just it's not fun it, you know you'd have to you, there's nothing new or novel there uh, but something where you where you can offer the ability to walk around with all your friends and play vr laugh at everybody playing Beat Saber and all that kind of stuff because you think you look like a Jedi with two laser swords. Yep. Really look like like a drunk <laughs> idiot flailing. You know, yep. th- there's a lot to that, just the, the social environment that you're providing, which is kind of this really neat kind of experience because games right now are almost defined by your ability to interact socially online from the comfort of your house. But it's that experience of having people physically in your space and your energy uh, is a really, really cool cool vibe yeah. whether it's a tournament or just a kind of a pickup thing on, on a saturday night with your friends uh it it's i think you've got a neat market there particularly in the midwest and, and i would even go so far as saying and and a lot of other locations down in the south too probably uh where you could probably attack this pretty well and, and probably do pretty f- pretty good for you guys self
3: yeah no um and we're kind of fostering the community and environment it's all about changing the culture and that's what the biggest problem has been um or the biggest i don't want to say problem it's not a problem the biggest goal has been sorry i'm sick i keep sniffling
0: you're you're fine man
2: yeah you're good you're
0: good man but yeah, I man, I think it's it's you've got the right message there that you have to kind of foster the the, the culture and foster the, the industry because I mean it's it's something that people obviously show an interest in I and mean, you've had obviously success with what you're doing so far that you know just making it accessible to those that would be interested and just can't get to it because of geographic you know limitations it, it's huge and you know I, I would love to see a day where you know you have your sports bars and you've got your esports bars you know same idea but a totally different you know, uh, yeah, culture. the subject. Yeah, exactly.
3: And yeah, so that's actually really, really good point. Um, oh shoot. I forgot exactly what I was about to say. Uh, what was the f- first part of that? I'm so sorry. Uh,
0: fostering the culture and in, in making it more geographically accessible to people. Yes. So geographically accessible.
3: That's, that's a very, very good point. Um, the, the biggest thing right now with sports is, you know, you can play online anytime you want. You can jump on, you can play game battles, you can go to the High School eSports League website and stay in, involved online. But that takes away a good majority of the competition, in my opinion. So having these grassroots areas where kids can go and compete in a safe environment with structure and referees, And their coaches watching and them getting better consistently because they're able to go through the footage, like, it's just invaluable. And then you you actually get the one-on-one environment. It promotes, it honestly promotes manners. And it promotes Midwest manners, which is something that I take a lot of pride in. Because after all of our games, we make all of our competitors stand up, shake hands with their competitors, and say GG. And that's something that you just can't do online.
0: No, I mean I I feel you man, like I'm not really I don't tend to participate too much in esports, but I, I play a game um called Paladins with my brother every once in a while. Dude, like I love over. paladins it
3: was made by hyros who made smite which was the tournament i went to that i mentioned earlier
0: there you (laughs) go yeah no it's it's a a really solid game it doesn't get as much credit as it deserves but you know i've you you play alone and you're on like comms and it's it's one kind of experience but you know uh i've had him come over to my house and, and we'll be playing you know side by side and it's just a it's a different kind of feeling when i can like you know we we pull out like the biggest clutch and get the win and just be able to reach over and high five the guy next to you when you're in that moment is so much more satisfying than, than doing it online. So I think there's definitely a different type of experience that you're offering as compared to what people are probably used to. Um, and that's fantastic because I mean, most people don't have access to that. But if you've established a meeting place where they can go and get better and and have that in-person social interaction, that's great. You know, that, that's really cool. I really like it.
3: Yeah. Agreed. Like, I, I think that it's it, it's the core part of the industry. And
0: I kind of preach it a
3: lot, but, you know, that's where esports started. Esports was built and founded in its creation in the arcades in the 70s and 80s. Uh, that's where esports and nineties 90s. Uh, that's where esports really caught its flow and, and really started because you had all these people going to the arcades to play in Street Fighter, play each other in uh, Mortal Kombat. And that's really where the competition started. You'd go to the arcade and you'd see if you were in the best in the arcade that day. And mm-hmm. I think that we've kind of lost that culture. And finding that again would just be so wonderful.
2: I, I will tell you that the competitive stuff that I, I kind of do ca- you know casually online is not nearly as rewarding as when I was like a kid going to the mall and you walk up with like a quarter and you put it, you put your quarter on a row full of quarters and you, and you stay on the game yep. until you get beat. Yep. Uh, that, that is one of the most satisfying competitive experiences ever. Uh, and, and that was that in, a, in some weird way, I felt almost more high stakes than anything I can do in a, you know, like a random apex match or something like that. You yes. even though I really enjoy that game. Oh, yeah. All right, man. So I, I, got, a, I got a couple of, a couple other kind of uh, sort of quickie questions for you. Then we kind of, you know, open it up to, you know, really, if there's anything you want to hit us up on or if there's uh, some stuff in the future you want to tease out, I think that'd be kind of cool. Um, I, I'm, I'm really curious, mostly because you're into the VR scene and stuff. One of the things I used to always see with VR, um, you know, probably kind of proto VR was really the game pod, you know. Usually it was like some kind of flight simulator game or tank simulator game or something like that um, where you had the big kind of full sit-in simulator experience. Do you you see any of that kind of stuff in your future or you kind of just really kind of curating that uh, kind of personal VR experience or maybe looking into getting into haptics and stuff like that? I'm kind of just curious from a tech standpoint, what you guys think your your, your kind of model is or what, what your limit would be. I love that.
3: That's a great question. Um,
2: so we actually, I didn't know
3: about those before, actually. Um, I found out about, like, the gaming pods, those those big things you, you know, most VR things that were first developed were, were that big, and I didn't know that. Um, I learned that when my colleague and I sat in a um, webinar of sorts with Fink, who was at the very beginning, the front end of the VR industry and in development um, when it first started coming out so i think that we're definitely moving into that era there's actually already gaming pods out there and they look like eggs right and so you sit down and and it's like a kind of like a beanbag chair that looks like an egg and you sit down and your monitors inside of it there's lights on the inside of it but they're like four or five grand so i think eventually pods themselves will be a way that people will game again because you kind of see culture counterculture switch um, that happens so you know the culture originally started as um, there being arcades you go to the arcade you'd win so the counterculture was now you can play at home and you don't need to go so you're more secluded and you can play online with your friends and now the culture is slowly starting to shift a little bit map back more into the favor of oh uh, I can go out to these locations and play with people that are in the same community as me and network and um, learn all these different things through an internship or etc. And then I think the counterculture to that will be the gaming pods, if I were to make a prediction. But uh, no, I, I definitely see that being an, another thing in the future.
2: That's cool, man. Like I, I, I kind of like the way that you're heading with that. So, um, do you think you guys are going to start looking into like any of the haptic haptic feedback stuff that you see kind of floating around out there? Like the glove. So, do-
3: our our chairs, um, our steering wheels are actually haptic feedback. Um, oh, yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, and we definitely will be. We're already looking at the gloves that they have and the feet trackers, because um, those are really nice for games. But yeah, we're already looking into that space for sure. Um, I think haptic feedback is definitely the next stage of VR.
2: All right, man. So, uh. In the in the world of like nor, like uh, n- non non uh, like commercial gaming stuff, what games are coming out in 2019 that you are most interested in personally? And then maybe uh, if there's one or two that you think that might be good applications for Paradigm, I'm just kind of curious because 2019 looks pretty stacked right now. Um, in terms of games coming out, I'm sorry, say it again,
3: man. I said in terms of games coming out
2: yeah yeah absolutely in 2019 what do you think the uh the ones you're personally interested in playing and the ones that you think might be good fits for paradigm so i'm interested to see apex's development
3: 100 i think that they're in a really good position to take over the battle royale and shooting industry right now um i just think that they need to kind of weigh their pros and cons and figure out what they need to do um i'm really excited to see the resurgence in rainbow six this year rainbow six in 2016 17 and 18 all grossed more than its previous year. So I'm really excited to see the growth of Rainbow Six in this upcoming year. And then uh, I am interested as well to see how Mortal Kombat 11 does. Because Mortal Kombat X had a very, very big following at first and then died off super quick. Um, And there's a lot of hype around Mortal Kombat 11 right now. So I think that's going to be really big for our fighting games community players. And um, those are the only ones I can really think off the top of the head. Uh, in terms of games that I'm excited to see, that I'm not excited to see, like, I'm kind of over Fortnite at this point. I wouldn't be super sad if it died. So, um,
2: I don't know, man. Good luck with that.
3: <laughs> maybe. I don't. We hosted a tournament last weekend. Every single tournament that we've hosted since August has sported no less than 25 competitors, usually about 12 to 13 teams tournament that we held yesterday we had 5 so i don't know maybe but now nah, you might be onto something just cuz there's
2: there's a lot of new offerings out there apex is killing fortnite
3: apex is literally tearing down fortnite it's uh they they're stealing the entire community i mean ninja went uh they within like 2 days of it being out twitch announced a tournament for $200,000 called the Twitch Rivals Apex Competition and Ninja switched from Fortnite to Apex to compete and he won the tournament. So, it's been doing better on Twitch than Fortnite, um, like the past week. So, I don't know.
1: I mean, the big question is going to be if it's got the, the staying power because on that, you know, release week, couple weeks after release, that sort of thing, you see a big spike and everybody drops off their usual thing. I guess the big question is, is, is are people going to still feel that way about Apex in six months?
3: Right. Agre- completely agreed. And that's, where, uh, that's why earlier I was like, you know, they'll have to kind of weigh their pros and cons and see where, what direction they need to take. But I think they're in a very, very good position to take the industry.
2: Yeah, that, that, I think their genius was, uh, you know, they, they really jumpstarted a lot of things. One, by not having a marketing campaign. So they really controlled their own narrative, and and I really liked how they brought a lot of content creators in, and you know a lot of power hitter guys in the stream scene, and really got them, you know. Now you can you can get into the whole like is it paid content creation versus you know whatever, uh, but they definitely got a lot of buy in from big from big ticket streamers right before they launched that game, and I think that was genius on their part. Yeah, uh,
3: my my only concern with Apex. Do you guys know who it's made by?
2: Yeah, respawn.
3: And even bigger, you know who ESpawn owned respawn oh, owned? Yeah, oh yeah,
1: yeah. It's, yeah it's, we had it's a long EA. discussion about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I d- I definitely think that the the marketing angle saved them because I can't like if you could picture six months of EA telling you that they're gonna launch a a new battle royale title instead of Titanfall three. They would have gotten torn apart. True, and nobody would have nobody would have True. even wanted to try it when it came out. By the time that they had trashed it as much as they could have, i in you know the various media outlets. So I absolutely think that was a good call. But uh, yeah, there's there's a, when you've got an EA title, there, there always has to be factored in the opportunity for EA to roll out a monetization <laughs> patch that is just it's done. Destroys yeah. everything. Yeah.
3: Or to just run it into the ground uh and, and just destroy it for no reason. Rip uh rip all the Lucasfilm film games and all the Star Wars games. I,
2: I the one thing I think um Epic can can do is because they've got such a massive block of cash uh that they just like sit on they like Scrooge McDuck into every morning. The um I, I think their ability to adapt their game is really unparalleled right now. Agreed. Well, if, if you took like, I am, by the way, I am, I do not like Fortnite. I am not a Fortnite guy. My, my kid like plays a lot. He enjoys Fortnite a lot. But as I've said many times on the show, I detest when I shoot somebody with a, an assault rifle and they start bleeding, you know, bricks and wood and and turn into an eight story building. I hate that shit. (laughs) Um, That being said, I, I totally get why the game is is very popular, and they are very, very, they were very, very smart in terms of how they maintain their monetization model. What I think that they have, I'm interested to see, is watch every other game out in the market if they put a ping system in, like a in-game communication. That's exactly system, what I talked have. with my friends about, if, like if the they ping do that, system. They're, they're sticking around.
3: Yeah, yeah. Cause that that was a really 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 good system. I love that a lot. Any game where you can promote non-vocal communication um, and still have a way to communicate with your teammates that's not typing, absolutely,
2: I'm one hundred percent for it. Well, well, not only not only is it just like I mean it's, it's it's beyond what I would have assumed would have been a very simple simple system. But if I think if a lot of games, can you imagine COD? Or and Fortnite adding a ping, just copy the ping system from a just copy it, just rip it off, and that would instantly make those games way better. Again, I'm not a huge COD guy, I mean, it's okay. I I still think Apex is dramatically better than, than Blackout right now, but in Fortnite, if they would add that, it would be a huge value add to that game. So, I think Epic has if they show the capability to adapt their game model and not just keep riding it uh, the way they are. They've shown a lot of, they've shown a whole lot of flexibility and vision in adapting things around that very simple game model in terms of like world events and, you know, like kind of unique things. Like, I'm not joking like that, that live concert with marshmallow was fucking amazeballs. That was, it yeah. was really cool. Like, I don't think anything like that had ever been done in the game. It hasn't. And What I'm actually... I I, I think
3: the track that you're going on is something that they're going to do because it's something that they've done a lot, actually. Um, So Epic, when Black Ops 4 came out, uh, Black Ops, uh, their Battle Royale mode had zombies in it, and they were NPCs on the map. So Epic did the same exact thing literally right after the game came out where they introduced zombies into the map. Every time that there's been a battle royale come out, um, so, you know, PUBG, you could uh, fly planes. Not fly planes, but you could uh, ride in trucks and motorcycles. Uh, Fortnite, now you can ride in planes, and you can drive golf carts, and you can drive trucks. So, like, they've done a really, really uncanny job of being able to copy whoever is next to them at that current moment in the industry so I'm interested to see how they try to copy Apex and whether or not it'll backfire because ultimately I think they're going to copy Apex uh, 100% in one way shape or form but I don't exactly know how they're going to do it they can't just introduce a class system like if they just introduce a class system then it's going to be super blatant and apparent and I think that that'll draw a line with the fan base but I think that I think the ping system may be the, their answer.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, Fortnite has done it. There's kind of two ways you do this. Like there's, there's games that make you the hero and there's games that like you, you pick a hero, you know, like you pick your avatar. And I yeah. think, you know, Overwatch and Apex are great examples of, of kind of the latter in that one. And Fortnite, because of the way they do customization and a variety of other things, they're a good example of how to, you know, you very much project yourself onto the screen so I, I think I think if people swipe some quality of life stuff that Respawn came up with, one that's gonna make everybody's games better, which I'm I'm a huge fan of anyway. Uh but I am kind of interested to see if what is Epic going to do to kind of hang on to or continue to cement and reinforce Fortnite. Now I acknowledge that they also have a big a big thing out there with their kind of uh their storefront that they're putting out, which that's a pretty baller moves on its own. So honestly I don't know,
3: I don't know. I want to. I want to see Steam take them down. I. I. They've done it before.
2: Understand that, bro. Like I. So. So Steam. I, I. totally get it. And I know there's a lot of storefronts out there. Steam is. Is good because of the quantity they have. Uh. I mean, you can get anything that all the way from like loose code in a big bag that they call a game to an actual real game on Steam. If Steam would ever like put some real work into their into their actual storefront product, I'd be you know. More interested. And I'm, by the way, I'm a Steam user. I use it all the time because it's a good service. All right. Well, it's good for the amount of uh, reach that it has in terms of games. Epic, if they do a really good job of hunting quality over quantity, they're kind of setting up a different market. But again, they have this huge block of cash that they can work with, and that's that's really what's moving the market right now. I
1: am totally pro Epic Store. Only talk uh, crossplay so far. Let's kill Steam. Let's do it. I'm, I'm <laughs> all for
2: it. So by the way, you know, Zells are our anti-establishment, like, uh, uh
1: Anti- down I'm, down I'm down the podcast. antitrust nerd who <laughs> is hoping to see big tech monopolies get absolutely decimated. And, and so scheme has kind of creeped onto my irritation with that mostly because of the giant 30% cut they take and the fact that they don't like if valve used that to make games, I love portal. I really do take your 30% cut and give me more portal. If you can't do that, I want to rip you to shreds, tear you down and shut you off.
0: See, everyone knows that guy. Zell is our version of that guy. <laughs>
2: okay. No, no yeah, I feel we, that. We I feel that. Good, We got a pretty good snapshot between Zell, who is the disgruntled IT guy that like despises everyone to Pokey. Who's a communist. Livvy who's not a communist, but she's definitely a socialist. And then I'm certainly <laughs> and, and I'm very much like in the, in the most agnostic political position in the world where I just, I, I pretty much like hey man, can't we all just get along? Like we can all like, you know, own guns and do
0: shrooms. It'd be cool, right? <laughs>
2: Bet. Agreed.
3: It would be cool.
0: Well, I think we're, we're probably pretty good. Is there anything else you wanted to cover, man, while you're here on, on the show with us?
3: um yeah i would say um we have a big tournament coming up on march 9th and 10th it's called the st ambrose high school esports championship we'll be giving away twelve thousand five hundred dollars in scholarship money to st ambrose university to the top high school league of legends team that competes so it's a pretty great opportunity it'll be really fun um, we just announced today we're doing a um, Thing called the paradigm esports training camp um, on march 11th through 15th so most schools spring breaks um where kids will be able to come in for a week and it'll be very much similar to like a summer camp but only in the spring and they'll get esports coaching um for that entire week and get really good at the game so yeah it'll be uh it'll be a pretty good time and i think those are the two biggest events that we currently have coming up next weekend we have a CS:GO. Tur- tournament at paradigm and then the weekend after apex
0: that's pretty cool man is there any uh, social media places that they can check you out or your website yeah thank you for
3: covering me uh yeah so follow us um just about everywhere um at paradigm true if it's not at paradigm true it's at paradigm underscore true uh follow us on facebook you can just type in paradigm davenport we'll come up we have a youtube page where we upload all of our videos um from from um, either them being streams or cut up videos so you can go there to check that out um and yeah join our discord for sure 100 percent. it's on all of our social media and the invite code get your pens and pencils ready is capital d lowercase cx b capital e lowercase d capital s we're still waiting to get partnership <laughs>
0: We'll 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 link up after this, and I'll I'll get that written down, and we can put that in the uh, description for the this episode if you're cool with that. Just so it's yeah. a little be easier to copy over for people. One hundred percent, cool, man. Um, all right, yeah. If there's nothing else. Uh, I think we're done with that. I know you're sick. If you want to bounce, that's fine. If you want to stick around a little bit longer, I think there's one one topic we wanted to cover. But if you're if you want to go get to get some rest. Uh, no drama, man.
3: Yeah, I think I'm actually going to hop out of here. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Glad to Likewise. have you, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah.
3: Yep. You guys have a wonderful evening, and enjoy the rest of the pod, fellow listeners.
0: All right. So, yep, that was Chase from Paradigm, and we'll, we'll get all of the the website's links and all of that in the description for the uh, the episodes, so you won't have to... Write it down uh, hastily, but uh, yeah. So was glad to have him. It was really good. Um, Jay, I, I wanted to go real quick, um, just because I know the game's going to come out before next episode. What are your thoughts on kind of the the noise that's been been cropping up regarding the the staggered release of, of Anthem so far in the last few days?
2: Um, yeah, so I, I am I am monitoring this. So I am monitoring this pretty close. So I do I did not. Put, go for a PC release. I'm only I'm only going to do a PS4 release. So it released on PC, I believe, on the 15th. The the actual that's like well that's early release. Yeah, you know, the actual release date is 22nd, and that's like on all platforms. Let me, let me let me correct that. I think that's Xbox and PC on the 15th, and then PS4 on. On the twenty second, so I'm I'm only getting it on the PS4. Um, just to be upfront with you, I, like I think uh, if they had to do this over again, they probably would not have have done it that way. Only because it was a bit is definitely a bit confusing going in to figure out when could you play the game and Hey, I pre ordered. What's going on with this? Um, a little bit of confusion with that, but th- I think the biggest thing that stung them is so when they released the game into the wild. You know they get to see some of the blemishes and kind of the rough spots, and it's very clear that Bioware was, and uh, you know, kind of had like at full battle stations, and they were smashing through a lot of different updates and fixes and things like that. Because when the game goes live, quote unquote, for its actual full release on the twenty second, there's there's the kind of standard uh, release day patch, right? And they have. Uh, been extremely proactive on social media over the course of the last week, highlighting e- every time they're getting something on Reddit or getting something from the community or a streamer or whoever, they they push it out like, hey, we are we acknowledge that that bug or that fix needs to happen, and it's going live on the 22nd, and or hey, yep, yeah, we've already fixed that one. That one's going live in a server side update on Thursday or whenever. Um, so. So their response has been really good, but th- that's kind of unfortunate because th- they did have some tough kind of bugs that-, that rolled out with this early release that was kind of marring some of the things for the guys working through the playthrough. There's some sound glitches. There, there's a few things where you could potentially miss you know, some key cutscenes, uh, things like that. Uh, there's some very, very grindy quest steps in there that apparently they weren't bugged, but they, it was like one of those where like, uh, for example, if you're in a party of four and you got to find so many chests to to progress, it would only trigger for the person who physically opened the chest, apparently because the AOE around, you know, who registered the chest picking up was basically right around like like at the limit of the chest. So if you opened it, you got credit, but none of your teammates generally would. So you had to get like fifteen open up fifteen chests to progress the past the step. But if you're in a party of four, four times fifteen, that gets pretty rough. Uh and so they, they've obviously acknowledged that, you know, they're there you know, bugs like that, they're like, Yep, we've already got a fix for that. It's going hot on the twenty second. So my thought generally was I think if they could go back in time and do this again. Hindsight being twenty twenty, um I, I think they were gambling a little bit because what's happening right now is a lot of people are reviewing the game and writing reviews on the game based on that one week early release. And I suspect a whole lot of the, the, the more challenging problems that are happening in that release uh, are going to be fixed on the 22nd. Uh, so I bet it would not surprise me if they're trying to communicate off to the side to people, hey, look, can you w- at least wait till the patch comes out? And just take a look at the patch, maybe before you go full Monty with your review, or give us a shot after after the patch comes out, since it was early release. You know, it, it's kind of one of those. You, they, I think they rolled the dice with it a little bit. Uh, but again, that being said, Bioware has been extremely uh, aggressive about communicating what they're fixing and what are they, what what's being identified to fix. Uh, now, once you get past that, uh, generally everybody's thoughts about the game are, at least that I've seen, I'm not going to say everybody, but overwhelmingly uh, pretty good. If you if you were really getting into Anthem before it went out, probably because you played the beta and stuff like that, it sounds like there's a lot in the game. There's actually a lot more in the game than people thought. There's a lot more to it than the three strongholds and such, and a little bit of free play. Uh, and, so, you know, unsurprisingly, the story arc, the main the main storyline is apparently getting some really, really good reviews in terms of how that kind of unfolds, and they said, that, but they say it takes a little time to warm up. Though it takes about halfway through the story, probably about ten hours into the twenty-hour campaign, to really get invested in a lot of the different characters and, and and kind of the story. But once you get to that point, it's it's pretty pretty solid, uh, which I think is kind of neat. And again, I was expecting a good story out of Bioware, so that's good. Again, a lot of people like the gameplay itself. Everybody's generally pretty high on. Um, so I, I think that's staggered release equals high risk high reward. I think this one they're going to have a little bit of a rocky start, uh, but again, Bioware I think they knew that was going to happen because they were very very postured to communicate early and often. And what they've also kind of done is this has also triggered a lot of communication about what's in the the future of Anthem. I would say in the short to midterm future of Anthem, because they're they're making it very clear that they are. That the the release is designed as a foundational to, to lay the foundation for the game, and as a live game that they envision going on for quite some time, like years, in fact. Um, nobody's saying ten-year plan or anything bananas like that, but we all know it's going to last years, right? Uh, they are pretty good at communicating. Hey, we want to get the blocking and tackling in really well, and let me show you all the stuff that's th- that we're planning to mark to market on top of it or to put on top of it. So I think they've done a good job with that. Uh, The the microtransactions have been pretty benign so far. Now we don't know what it's going to be going forward or, or, and we haven't seen a lot of, it's only one iteration of microtransactions. It looks kind of like your standard storefront rotates every week kind of thing. Not real sure how this is going to work as they start, you know, eventually they'll probably start dropping like super rare, you know, super, super crazy, like bling armor or something like that. But, so far, at least in the opening week storefront snapshot, it's pretty manageable. Um, it's so so. It sounds like they're 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 they have a modest uh, and certainly not crazy microtransaction uh, economy that they're that they're rolling out. Again, first week, I think we'll know more in thirty days. To be frank with you, because uh, I, I think that's what most people's game game mode is right now. Is they release a game, it's very. Kind of pocketbook friendly, and then about thirty to forty-five days after, aka after all the reviews have gone out, then they start dropping microtransaction updates in. Is is unfortunately what kind of the norm is starting to become. But so far, a bit of a mixed bag. Gameplay wise, looks like it's going to be solid. Um, if you're a PS4 user and you're going to get the game on Friday, the good thing is somebody else has fucking experienced all the bugs, and you're not going to have to, or at least a lot of them. So that's kind of the that's kind of where I'm at on it so far
0: yeah that sounds good man I, I was just kind of curious because i I've just been not really watching but kind of breezing through some uh, some YouTube videos a lot of it was like this is the gross greatest, greatest game ever and then the next day they're like, okay, I might have been wrong about that so I think there there's a, a lot of issues they're working through and you know I'm certainly not hopping on it immediately but uh, I, I gotta let my brother angst a little bit more uh, over what we're gonna play <laughs> for those you don't know um for 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 me, I'm between uh, Anthem and Division 2, and I kind of said last week I was, I was 50-50 on both. Um, but I'm refusing to pick one, and I'm making my brother decide what our, our group is going to play, so he's freaking out about that. It's it's a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a little extra time, I think, just to kind of see where it goes and, and how much that stuff actually gets fixed, because, you know, with this early release, it's when you call it release people kind of expect it to be done and it almost feels like it's a, well, it was like another like week long beta that you paid for. Um, and then we'll, we'll fix it for the, the, the final, final, final release on, on the 22nd or whatever for everyone else. So it's, it's kind of rough right now, but, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on, I'm not going to get your thoughts on it moving forward, but, uh, it should be good.
2: Yep. Hey, um, Real quick, Zell, do we have time to talk Elite uh, Battle Angel, or you want to save it until next show?
1: Uh we got a couple minutes if we want to just cheat it out really quick.
2: Yeah, man, I, I'm really interested in your take on it.
1: I, I don't, you know, I don't want to say too much. I, I will say, um, that uh, I enjoyed it. It was, it was decent. There were definitely some, some weak points. I think in particularly towards the, the um, uh, the end was a little eh for me. Um the effects were really cool. There was a lot of, a uh, l- lot of very, it's very much what you expect from, you know, James Cameron. And I guess, uh, uh the final completion of the movie was handled, handed off to, uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez, who's, uh, known for fight scenes. And you can, you can see some fight scenes that, uh, they're definitely there. I do not want to, uh, ruin much i will say that the the i thing doesn't really bug me like when you get to it it does make they they do have an explanation for why it is as it is um that's i guess indicated it's not clearly stated um but uh yeah it it was it was all right
2: okay no i I mean that's um i was kind of just curious about your hot take like i said you know maybe you can do like a full review of it in a week or two though
1: yeah um yeah i would love to has anyone else gone out and seen it yet
2: Uh, i haven't yet but i I was definitely i was kind of definitely basing that on what your your kind of initial takes i kind of have a feeling you're going to see it early
1: yeah and you know what was really interesting is um this is something my friend actually noticed is um our theater has really not had uh imax 3d showing much it's like the 3d has really gone out of style particularly for um uh the IMAX which only has we only have one IMAX screen at my theater so a lot of times when a movie comes out they'll actually only offer it in IMAX 3D on release night only and then um and then like every following IMAX 3D showings at like 10 in the morning on a weekday or something horrific like that um especially like anything Disney is is the worst you if you want to see a Disney movie in IMAX 3D it has to be release night um but uh, and, and this this felt to me kind of maybe the James Cameron effect because you've got, you know, he, he really kicked off the uh, the theatrical 3D thing with Avatar. Um, but like every IMAX showing this this past weekend um, was 3D. It was just this was a 3D showing and this was how, that was how, you know, it was it was meant to be seen, apparently. Um, and uh, and yeah, so that, that was good. That was cool.
2: It sounds good, man. I'm definitely interested to hear your take on it. So I guess the short question, uh, worth seeing, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's worth seeing. Um, it's, it's, it's a movie that looks really cool and, and there's a lot of really neat stuff that they did in terms of like, it, it, everything is cybernetic in this movie. Like there, there's so there's there's very few characters who really get to portray them. they You know, actors who get to portray their characters without any sort of effects modification, Um, you know. And I I will say there's a couple there's a couple um, actors who are probably a little unused or not used well enough in the story. Um, uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, Marsha Ali, is is that how that's pronounced?
0: Sure. Yeah, you got me, man. It's, we'll, we'll just assume he, you're right.
1: He was in. He's in like. Um. He was in. Um. He was in a whole bunch of stuff, but he was in like Green Book this year, which was this past year, which was really good. Um. Uh, but he showed up in a whole bunch of. Um. I've seen him in everything these days. Is he, but I, I'm trying to remember where I first saw him. Was he was in Luke Cage. Um. And uh, really good actor has absolutely no room in this movie. To show that, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it was good. Okay,
2: cool, man. No, I appreciate appreciate the 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 quick take on it, and I'm gonna add that to the, to the things that as I get time, I will go try to see.
1: Um, one more one more quick one is: Have you guys seen the Captain Marvel website?
0: Mm, I will in about three seconds here.
1: It's marvel dot com slash captain marvel. Just 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 go there.
0: Oh, oh boy! Um, what's going on here?
1: <laughs> this is a this is amazing. So yeah, it's it's marvel slash Captain Marvel. Oh, this is fantastic. This and is like have, my my space shit. They have gone full like this is a nineties period piece, and they have reverted the internet back oh my to god, the nineties. that's fantastic. There are little oh my god, little gifs, grandma pops up if you stay long enough. There are rainbows. There is a there is a good old fashioned page visit counter. Which
0: if if, if it was playing like a, like you know, like some, someone's favorite Lincoln Park song in the background, it would be complete.
1: <laughs> like this is this is this is wonderful. So I just wanted to point this out. Um I actually have a real I have another shout out, so this isn't really a shout out, so I'm just throwing this out here at the tail end of the show. Uh Captain Marvel has a nineties style website, it's great.
0: Yeah, that's that's something else <laughs> okay yeah you, you gotta see it to understand what what's going on here but if, if you would all made your own website when you were like you know young teen if you're my age then you you understand holy shit that's good stuff okay anything else guys before we do shout outs here I'll take that as no all right uh so my shout out goes to uh you know, I had to say that, that when I played Apex Legends, it was like I don't like battle royale, but you know this this is this is playable. But I have a game that's battle royale that I actually really love, and I play a lot of it's the Tetris 99 battle royale. It's actually really fun. Like like it's actually like kind of addictively fun. Um, it, it's basically you're playing Tetris against like 90 other guys. And then when you complete lines, it sends. Blocks to the other the person you're attacking, and then you kind of eliminate each other down to like you know whoever wins. I think I got like they got like sixth place, I think, after a couple rounds. It was it was good, but yeah, Tetris uh, 99 on on Switch. I think it's free if you subscribe to their online uh, online Nintendo service. So it's it's worth giving a shot if you like Tetris. I had a lot of fun with it. Um. All right, Zell, so, shout out. Um. So.
1: You know, we've we've talked a lot about game stores that can, you know, are going to, you know, tear down Steam and and break up the the monopoly. Um, but there is actually one game store that is closing, uh, and it, it, it's the Razer Game Store, which is is the game store from uh, the the company that makes obviously the the Razer like keyboards and mice and and headphones and and gaming accessories. And uh, I think I know what their problem was. Before I saw this article, I didn't know that Razer had a game store. This was completely news to me that it exists, and they're shutting it, it down.
0: It opened ten months ago, from the looks of it. Uh, all right, that's fair. So, so like, but no, but still, like, <laughs> no one knew about this.
1: Right, like, I do not think there was an announcement. I like I, and I, I think the their whole thing was, you know, if you were. I, I don't know. Maybe if you bought Razer stuff, I don't have any Razer stuff. Maybe if I had bought Razer stuff, I would have like like some flyers in the box for it or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, rip the Razer game store. Uh, apparently, no one loses their games because all they were doing was selling Steam and Uplay play keys anyways. So they're they're emphasizing to everyone who got games through them to to you know make sure all their keys are redeemed into their their accounts for stores that are not going away.
0: That's actually kind of interesting. All right, uh, Jay, you're up.
2: Ah, okay. There's my butt. Uh, well, in terms of shout-outs, so I've got two. Uh, they'll be relatively quick. The first one, uh, I'm a big fan of the UFC and uh, MMA in general. I have been for many years, uh, and I, I was, and so the UFC signed a deal with ESPN, and I picked up, you know, as part of my the growing a la carte uh, subscription program the like five buck a month ESPN plus. So I've gotten two pretty good UFC cards for a total of 10 bucks over the last, you know, two months now, pretty good deal. Uh, Great fights last night. Uh, So again, I think, I think they did a good thing with the ESPN move, at least so far. We'll see. And part two, I wanted to give a shout out to the umbrella Academy on Netflix. That is a really, really well done, really well done show. It's basically an old Dark Horse. Well, not an old. It's a uh, it's a Dark Horse comics line called the Umbrella Academy. I, I I would definitely say it is a bit of a darker, twisted style, like uh, X Men sort of like OG X Men slash uh, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen kind of feel to it. Uh, it the the comics themselves were actually pretty solid it, i didn't read them a whole lot but i was aware of them uh dark horse just wasn't necessarily my jam but this is based very much on those uh they've got one season out that they've just released here recently it's really good it is extremely well done very well acted uh written well it's again proving that netflix is you know their content as is as good as anybody that i've seen so far and and the kind of the the you know, word that you get in the, in at least on the Google Streets, if you will, is that that was a bit of a reaction to that they, they understand that Marvel was was going to pull or kill that whole suite of Marvel Netflix shows, which by and large were very well received. Uh, and Marvel has definitely been making some some noise about having their own kind of streaming channel uh, just for their own content, which I, I would suspect that they would anyway. So. Again, Umbrella Academy, really good. Well worth well worth the look. Uh, you can get into it pretty quick in the first one or two shows. It, it'll pull you in. You'll know whether you like it or not. But uh, overall, definitely uh, well worth the look.
0: All right, and Libby, you're up.
1: Yeah, well, my shout-out was to your brother for putting him in the hot seat for
0: choosing a game. Um, oh, it's a lot of fun watching him squirm.
1: I think more
3: history to do with that is he chose... He chose two games for us to play. One was
1: Evolve and one was
0: Ghost, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Ghost
2: Recon. <laughs> so and he's got a shitty track record.
1: He does. <laughs> so we told him he had to pick between these because usually he skirts by and it's just like, oh, I'll play whatever. We're like, no, you have to choose. He's like, are you serious? So I felt bad for him. But um another
3: shout out goes to the PlayStation Classic for getting its first price cut. Uh I think it's his first one goes down to 40 bucks. So if you're on the fence because it was too much money, uh maybe if you're just collecting them, you can get
1: it now.
0: Yeah, it's still barely worth it when you can <laughs> buy most of those games for like six bucks on PSN. And yeah, they prime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 40, 40 might be worth it because for like whatever number of games on there it does lower the price per game pretty well. But yeah, I did yeah. I did
1: see it for sale at like 60 and I was like Eh, and then I saw fifty, and I'm like, kind of, but but do I really need that? And now they're at forty, and I'm like,
0: yeah. how how low do
1: they have to go for you to be like, all right, impulse buy? I've actually like one of the things is is like there was some article I read that was talking about all the places that are literally just bundling them for free, like you know get this and get a PlayStation Classic type of thing. Like I honestly I. Like, Nintendo makes a classic console, and they literally cannot produce enough to, to, to like, meet the demand of people trying to buy them. Sony does the same thing, figuring they're going to print money, and and now they can't get rid of them. They don't know where to, like, these are the, like, E.T. of the of, of 2018, you know,
0: yes.
1: where, where at, at some point... We're gonna find out that when we didn't buy the PlayStation Classics that they were selling for twenty bucks somewhere, that they're just gonna bury them all in a landfill.
0: It, it, it's about as bad as Fall '76, where like you've got game stores literally like packaging a copy of Fall '76 with um, like Xbox. Xbox Uh, One is
1: like, just take this, please. I
0: I, I think there was one store in Europe um, where they were selling like five dollar USB like memory (laughs) sticks, like branded PlayStation memory sticks. And the five dollar memory stick came with a copy of Fall '76 because they're just trying to get rid of them. Um, So yeah, you're going to see, you know, like Fall '76 bundled with a PlayStation Classic, and we will pay you to take it out of our store for us. So no it's good stuff
1: I, I love I love seeing merch for things that weren't popular like that that was supposed to be collectible like uh, one of the things that's really easy to pick up at like any Best Buy right now is if you if you still want like the fancy collector's edition uh, strategy guide for Fallout 76, they're everywhere. like that's the sort of stuff that usually like if you have like a collector's edition guide for like a Zelda title, it's gone in like you pre-order it and then it's gone and then you've got like fallout 76 merch just lying around you know i saw like a uh similarly i saw a sale the other day on like a mass effect andromeda branded mechanical keyboard and i'm like shocker that (laughs) you know they can't sell out of them oh
0: my god all right guys well that's our show uh thank you for joining us like i said before we'll get all the information from paradigm uh up on the, the description for the the episode here. But uh, that being said, if you want to be on the show, if you want to you know, talk about your, your recent business endeavor or you know what you're working on, or if you want to just come talk about games with a bunch of nerds, let us know, biomass.com. Hit us, hit us up on the contact tab there. But that being said, have a nice week and we'll see you next time.